This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we're going to keep this botching Afghanistan series going, but we're going to do it with a new guest that you're not familiar with in terms of my podcast, and that is Mike Ritland. So Mike Ritland is a guy that we are going to have on our podcast, and we're going to do a proper podcast with him later on down the road. But Mike Ritland is a retired Navy SEAL. He is an expert dog handler, and that's kind of his business, but he's also a best-selling author. He's written a lot of stories about his his military career and how we should respect a lot of the dogs that are used in these areas. I was on the Mike Drop podcast, so that's how a lot of you actually found our show, is I got attacked by one of his meat missiles, and then I went on his show to talk for about three hours. We had a really, really good conversation. But again, we are going to have him on. I believe it's in about four or five weeks to talk about a new book that he has coming out. So we're going to do the normal fanfare with that. But we're going to go ahead and get into the story here. And guys, I really loved his perspective on a lot of these things because Mike is not one to mince words. And again, there's kind of a language warning on this episode for any of you guys that maybe have sensitive ears around or, or you know little kids or something like that. Mike just talks and I just let it go and I don't edit out anything. I want people to give me their honest feelings. But I really enjoyed his perspective on a lot of different things because yes, he was on the ground in the middle least and he's lost friends and he knows gold star families and he serves a lot of those people even still today but again i really really dug his opinions you should check it out obviously you're about to because you're going to listen to this so guys without further ado let's get into it all right mike ritland thank you so much for coming on the show i know that we're going to be doing a more proper show here on down the line but the circumstances just predicated having this conversation sooner um it's insane what's going on in afghanistan and you know what it's like on the ground there you know what it's like on the ground for those people and so as with everybody else in the series that we've done i just want to kind of back away from the mic for a second to just let you say what your initial thoughts are as to kind of what you're seeing and what's currently going on in the country of afghanistan Sure. Uh, I appreciate you having me on and, uh, and asking me what I think. Um, in a word, heartbreaking is, is probably the, the single most apt descriptive word that I can pick to, you know, to convey what kind of what I feel and, and uh, just how it seems like things are going there. Um, you know, and for a number of reasons, I think that there's the obvious one of seeing, you know, what we spent 20 years there doing, uh, essentially was erased, uh, you know, at least one dimensionally or, or as kind of a, a singular view, um, you know, which is, is tough to watch, you know, to see, you know, thousands of our men and women lose their lives to, to set up certain uh, mechanisms in that country to be a certain way. And, and then they all just vanish in a matter of days is, is tough to watch. Um, it's also tough to watch to see just the the amount of bloodshed that continues there and, and the the rapid exchange of of kind of culture going from you know essentially a, a free democracy within reason um going right back to the way that it was pre-9-11 i would argue that it's actually uh, more dangerous than the 9-11 uh, or pre-9-11 because they uh, have a lot more experience they've got a ton of our equipment um, you know, they, they have infrastructure put in place and, and recruiting pipelines and things like that. So, um, you know, their capabilities could, could possibly be, be more. Um, and I think the, the, probably the single biggest reason why I find it heartbreaking is that it didn't have to go down that way. Um, you know, I, I know a lot in the, in the media on the administration side are saying, you know, we plan for every contingency and I would just say, well, bullshit, because if that was the case, it wouldn't be happening. I mean, that's, I don't know who listens to that and thinks, uh, yeah, you know, they, they did everything they could, uh, or saying that like, 
the previous administration agreed to this deal. And so, you know, it's out of our hands. Like that's a chicken shit response too. And that, you know, uh, there's about 40 other deals that the last administration signed and agreed on that, that they've reversed, you know, in a matter of, of days, um, you know, that, that they didn't want, you know. And so I, I think uh, it's just such a, a feckless and, and uh, spineless way to, uh, to conduct yourself. I mean, as a, as a president, it's your job to, to legitimately say that it's my responsibility and the buck stops here, not with a caveat, not with a, but not with a, and right. I, I mean, just plain and simple, like it's your responsibility. I mean, if I hire somebody that does something wrong, ultimately that's my fault. Uh, you know, yes, there's free will and, and there's, you know, people's uh, decisions to make a choice, but you know, that's, that's the big, big rub with being in a leadership position is, is that you take ownership of, of what happens and uh, you know, you can't, can't have it both ways and talk out of uh, both sides of your mouth the way, the way that they're doing. I also think, uh, you know, from kind of a more strategic or tactical side, you know, what, what we're seeing right now, and I don't know when this will air, but um you know, you've got tens of thousands of, of uh, citizens, about 10,000 American citizens and, and tens of thousand uh, Afghans that are, are supposed to, to evacuate and come here that are scattered all over the country. You know, and so it's like, well, we've got the airport secure. You didn't, you know, and that's why there's people hang, hanging on the planes and, and, and coming off, as well as, um, you know, the, the simple fact that the fact that that wasn't planned for and they didn't have some mechanism to get those people out of there, I think you're going to see over the next couple of weeks some really, really horrible stuff because, you know, the Taliban, there's, you know, 100,000 plus of them scattered all over the country. A lot of them centered around Kabul and the airport right now. Um, you, you know, so you, you can have the airport secured and, you know, congratulations. Uh, but how all of these people are going to get from where they're at to that airport I don't see how they're going to do that. I mean, the Taliban isn't going to just say, Oh, you're American. Yeah. Come on, come on through. Like they're going to cut their head off, you know? So, uh, you know, to me, the fact that those things weren't planned for, weren't, uh, weren't, you know, accommodations weren't made, uh, I think just speaks volumes to, uh, how, to, how out of touch they are. And I think, uh, that the administration, not unlike, you know, past administrations, plural, I think they're all guilty of it to a certain degree of surrounding themselves with uh, yes men and, and echo chamber folks that uh, tell them what they want to hear. But I think this is uh, on, on a next level as far as that goes, uh, or this wouldn't happen. And you can hear it even you know, in, in press briefings where, whether it's the president or the press secretary or the uh, Department of Defense or, or what have you, um, you know, I mean, they're all just kind of saying the same thing. And it, and it kind of reminds me of the, the emperor's clothes story. And, and then it's like, you can watch what's happening and they're saying, well, that's not happening. Or, you know, it reminds me of like back in, uh, uh, you know, when I, when Iraq, uh, back in the first Gulf war, there was that Baghdad Bob that was like, uh, or maybe it was, a, I'm not sure exactly when it was, uh, but you know, that the press secretary for the Iraqi regime was like, now we've got America right where we want them. And, you know, they're on the run and, you know, it's going to be rivers of, of American blood here shortly, you know, like while they're getting the shit kicked out of them, you know, and it's just like that, that's what that seems like to me is that, you know, these, uh, people in these, these upper echelon of government are just, uh, I mean, they're blinded by their own arrogance and it's, uh, it's frightening and sickening. The one, uh, I would say silver lining though, that, that, uh, and I know for a lot of veterans out there and just a lot of patriotic folks in general that probably look at this and, and think to themselves, you know, uh, what, what would, 
what were we there for? What did we accomplish? You know, did our troops die in vain? And, and most people say, no, they didn't, you know, they did their job and they volunteered, but I'll take it a step further from a, from a more kind of not just trying to make, make somebody feel better about what happened there, but, but legitimately is that, um, you know, in, in interviewing, uh, Dr. James Mitchell, I, I learned a lot in reading his book uh, called enhanced interrogation, um, about what, what uh, intelligence was gleaned from the interrogations of a lot of the masterminds of 9-11, including Sheikh uh, Khalid Muhammad, uh, as well as a, a Khalid Sheikh Muhammad, rather, uh, as well as a number of other higher ups in Al Qaeda that uh, basically all corroborated the same thing, which was, you know, 9-11 was, uh, was executed on the, the principle or the, the expectation that we were going to respond in similar fashion to the last 10 years of Al-Qaeda attacks on America, which, were, which was basically, let's lob a few Tomahawk cruise missiles to some training camps and call it a day. Uh, they were not expecting us to, to launch a full-scale invasion of, of Afghanistan and, and knock them on their ass. Uh, and, and in most cases, it was, you know, if, if we had known that, we wouldn't have done it the way that we did it. And so the two things that I think uh, came out of the last 20 years in Afghanistan that, that we as a nation should be proud of, and, and if there's one thing I can say, uh, you know, is absolutely the case and, uh, and why it was worth doing what we did there as long as we did, is that number one is that we prevented another 9-11 from happening for over two decades. Number two, and this is probably the most important thing uh, for the long term and, and internationally, is that... Um, not just Al-Qaeda and Afghanistan and Taliban and, and associated parties, the entire world knows that if you bring an attack here to this country and, and attack civilians and in a scale with which they did on 9-11, that we will use absolutely every resource in our arsenal to come to wherever you're at and spend as much time as it takes to hunt you down and fucking kill you uh, and, and completely you know redesign your entire culture if that's what it takes to... Um, you know, to prevent it from happening. And so uh, to me, that that's something you can't put a price tag on because uh, the reason it happened in the first place is because they assumed we wouldn't do that. You know, now there's absolutely no question. Um, a couple of other things I think that are important, though, is, is that uh, for us to, to learn from this, not that we didn't already know this, we should have learned this from Vietnam and, and a host of other conflicts we've been in, but is that, you know, nation building is a mistake a huge mistake. Um, trying to set up democracies in countries that aren't democracies is a mistake. Uh, I think it's it's an arrogant uh, and painful mistake on our part to assume that everybody wants to live in democracies because they don't. I mean, Afghanistan is a good example. Yeah, there are some people there that do and some people that are, are heartbroken and pissed, rightfully so, uh, now that that's not happening. Um, I mean, there's kids now that are, you know, 20 years old that were born that, that never knew what Afghanistan was like prior to 9-11 that are in college. That's going to be a sobering fucking wake up call for those folks. But uh, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, whether it's Afghanistan or parts of Indonesia or the southern Philippines or uh, North Africa, you know, the Horn of Africa. I mean, there are a lot of places in the world where where they want to live the way that they live, you know, or, or enough people there want to live in, in that manner to where it's not going to change and you can't force it on them. I mean, the fact that it's it's taken a week to go back to, you know, 7th century AD, essentially, in terms of, of how they're conducting themselves tells you enough to, to where, you know, that that's clearly how 
uh, at least collectively they, they want to live. Um, you know, again, I know there's plenty of people that don't want to live that way, but not enough to, to fight enough to, to change it or, or to leave or, or to what have you. So, um, you know, th- those, again, I think are, are important things for us as a nation to consider, um, you know, and, and not, not make those same mistakes and, uh, you know, one that we should have already learned, but. Yeah, Mike, you brought up a lot of great things there. Obviously you mentioned the, um, all the contingencies, you know, Biden gets up there and says, Oh, we thought of every contingency. It's like, Oh, so you planned for the, for the airport to get overran. You planned for people hanging on to, you know, the landing gear and landing gear into the sides of the plane. Oh, I didn't realize you planned for that. That's so interesting. And of course that's not something that, the, that they would ever admit to. Um, one thing that I did key in on that you said is that, you know, obviously they didn't expect us to come back at them with the full force that we did after nine 11 to basically make them pay for this. But I'm curious as of right now, because again, we heard the narrative forever that, oh, we can't still be in these endless wars and these wars are never going to end. And how much blood and treasure is it going to take, even though we hadn't taken a casualty in or, or a death in warfare in Afghanistan in 18 months? It wasn't like and people were talking about it like it was World War II or something like that. But do you feel like the American public has that kind of an appetite? Because I've thought about another 9-11, quote unquote, a lot. And I'm wondering, like in 2021, you know, 2001 is an unrecognizable time period because of how we're living now, because of the cultural revolutions and all that. Even if there was another 9-11 style attack, do you feel like it would be that same you know, garnering moment for the entire populace that, no, we're going to get behind the government and we're going to send our boys and girls over there to fight for us. It's like, do you feel like it would be the same? hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. And here's why is think about what, what your life was like on September 10th, 2001. It was about like it is now people fucking heads buried in the sand, worried about shit that didn't matter. Uh, you know, and, and it took getting, you know, the, the hornet's nest kicked over the way that it did for the entire country to, to collectively come together and decide, you know what, fuck this, we're going to pay them back. Uh, so it, it's still there. It's just, you know, un- unfortunately, you know, that adage of, uh, you know, strong, strong or uh, good times create weak men, weak, you know, the, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's part of the cycle that we're in right now. We're in the, you know, we've we've had good times long enough to where, um, you know, we're worried about what pronouns to use and, uh, you know, who, who should be able to piss next to who in a bathroom. And, uh, you know, if you don't call me by, by, uh, you know, the sex that I identify with and that's a, a microaggression, you should be arrested for it. You know, I mean, it's, it's laughable. It, it really is. I mean, when, when, if, if watching the last six days doesn't put some of that in perspective, then I think you're, you're, I, I would say legitimately crazy. Uh, you know, if you like, if you can't watch what's going on and, and realize that, 99% of the shit that goes on here that people argue and fight and bitch about um, is just absurd, laughably absurd, uh, then I think you're out of your mind, you know, um, because I can tell you like right right now over there, if you think any of that shit is, is on anybody's radar, it's not, you know, people are trying to not get killed and, and set on fire and heads cut off right now, not, uh, you know, all the other uh, just societal uh, bullshit that, that takes place here where people are complaining about uh, everything. You know, but, uh, you know, further kind of to your, your question of, of, you know, do they have that, that appetite for it? I, I think it's also important to remember, you know, kind of taking a few steps back to, to where we were, say, 30 days ago, uh, is that, you know, we were in a position where, like you said, the, the last casualty was uh, February, I think, of 2020. It's been about 18 months since a combat casualty happened. We were in a position to basically say, hey, 
we have just enough contingent there between troops and and uh, you know other bases and and capabilities uh, within you know an hour or two flight uh, to where you know the, the Taliban wasn't attacking us. Now, if you think that it was because the deal that Donald Trump Trump st- struck that they were just well, that's what we agreed to, so we're going to do that. As you can see, what's happening right now, they don't stick to their fucking word. The reason why they didn't attack for the last 18 months and didn't do shit, even with 2,500 troops, is because they knew what would happen if we did or if they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so similarly, uh, again, I, I, I will go back to the, you know, that was the deal that was made and it was out of our hands. is such a crock of shit. Uh, I mean, they didn't give us their, uh, their permission for us to invade their country the first fucking time. You know, uh, we don't need their permission. We were already there and, and it would have been very, very simple and easy. And this isn't Monday morning quarterbacking. I mean, to me, this is common sense for anybody who's ever spent any time in that re- region. Frankly, even most people that have never stepped foot in that country that just have some shred of common sense can look at that and say, you know, this this is working out pretty well. Uh, it's keeping things at, at bay and, and we should just stick with it because we have almost nobody there in terms of, of real numbers. I mean, 2,500 troops is a very, very low footprint, but we had, had invested enough time and enough ass whippings over there for them to understand what, what the alternative was if, if they start messing around. So to change that, I think, is dumb. I mean, it, it wasn't an endless war at this point. The war's been over, essentially, uh, and we've been just maintaining a, a finger on the pulse, if you will, and, and making sure that, you know, uh, cats away, mice will play uh, isn't taking place. Well, now the cat just just flew, uh, you know, and, and now the mice are, are, you know, completely overrunning the entire country, and we're doing jack squat about it. And so... Um, it didn't need to change. Uh, you know, Biden could have very easily said, you know what? Uh, I know I said we were going to pull everybody out. We're going to hold, hold what we got, uh, indefinitely. And if you don't like it, uh, we can, we can go back at it, you know? Uh, so, you know, to me that that's just the deal, you know, uh, you're also at a point where, you know, if you had to say, you know, we'll, we'll kick it up a notch and take the gloves off too, and stop caring about collateral damage. You know, we can go that route too. We, we as a nation have done that in the past, uh, i.e. World War II, where, uh, you know, we were facing a similarly dedicated enemy and it took those types of measures to say, hey, you know, this this isn't a good scenario. It's a lesser of two evils and, and we're doing what we have to to get the point across to say, you're going to stop fucking with us or you're going to pay with your life. Uh, so we, we could have gone that route, too. It's just, you know, I think uh, I don't think I know our current administration is uh, uh, they've got their head in the clouds. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. I don't, I don't want to make it about politics. It shouldn't be. And, and it really isn't. I mean, this is very simply, uh, you know, you're in charge. You made a, a series of really, really shitty decisions. Um, you know, and, and now, now this is what you're seeing because of it. Uh, I do think some of the military leadership is absolutely to blame too. I mean, when you've got uh, general uh, Millie or Miley, I think his name is, you know, kicking, you know, uh, books off of the reading list and adding white fragility and, uh, you know, going to, you know, and talking to Congress about white rage and, and saying that, you know, the top three uh, terrorists, these are the top three terrorist threats to our country are uh, refusing COVID vaccinations, questioning, uh, you know, COVID protocols, uh, celebrating um, 4th of July and, and other, uh, or I'm sorry, between 4th of July and 9-11, uh, celebrating 9-11 um, uh, or having 9-11, you know, party celebrations, what have you. Uh, and then lastly, but certainly not least, is um, 
questioning the uh, the election results. You know that that's the Department of Homeland Security's top three uh, terrorist threats. As per them, I mean it's absurd. You know, and so uh, if if our military would focus less on social projects and uh, you know proper use of pronouns and white fragility and, and transgender experiments in the military and, and just focused on one simple thing, which is let's stay good at whipping some ass. Uh, I don't think we'd be in this position either. So uh, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. You wish the focus would be on that and uh, being as lethal as possible, because again, you have, you know, these people that are in the Pentagon talking about climate change in a militaristic context is like, what are we going to do? Shoot nukes at the moon or like try to like get rid of sun rays using, you know, different types of BDUs. But uh, something that you came up, with, which is kind of undergirding all of this is that you were over there actually dealing with these people day in and day out. You were dealing with interpreters, you were dealing with informants, you were dealing with people that were helping you. And that is the, those are the people now that the Taliban are apparently going door to door and executing these people and their entire family tree, right? And yeah. so for you, that, that's one of the most damnable things for me as I look forward into the future is, is if we do go back, not only are we going to have to take back these these cities, you know, house by house, block by block, grid by grid again, which I don't know if we have the stomach to do that, but who's going to help us? Yeah, because, be, if, because if you're these people on the ground, why in the world would you trust the Americans? They yeah, just left. Would. Yeah, you wouldn't. I mean, and, and you can't blame them, you know, I mean, w would there still be some people that would help because, you know, the alternative is getting their head cut off? Sure. Uh, but it's going to be much, much more difficult. And, and you know, it paints a, a pretty terrible picture, uh, you know, to, to the rest of the world for any future things that happen that, uh, you know, that America is not going to have your back. And it's just going to make everything moving, moving forward much, much more difficult. Well, from your perspective, because you've kind of seen these things play out, you know, I've just thought to myself, we're not going to see the true ramifications of this one micro decision by Joe Biden for decades. I feel like we're this is going to be playing out for a very, very long time. But if from your perspective, what can the American public expect to see in the next 12 months? You know, what would you what would you think? Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't uh, subscribe to or necessarily agree that, um, you know, that now all of a sudden o overnight that the world is far more dangerous. Uh, I think, you know, it's impossible to argue that it's more dangerous. I don't think that it's now all of a sudden 9-11 is going to happen in three months uh, again. Uh, I, I really don't think that, uh, you know, does does that chance exist? Of course it does. Um, but I, again, I'll revert to the last 20 years of, of you know, they, they understand that and that's why they've kept their distance the way they have over the last few years is because they knew what the alternative was. Uh, you know, they also uh, feel confident enough in, in the uh, inability of, of our government at this juncture uh, to do anything about it, uh, for them to feel confident and comfortable enough to do what they're doing, which, uh, which is alarming. It also tells you a lot about, again, how, how they feel about Joe Biden. I mean, you know, to me, that that's the one thing, like all politics, bullshit, media aside, uh, the rose-colored glasses that each political party is guilty of seeing their own guy from is that, you know, the, the litmus is, is the other countries, you know, and, and you're seeing that right now. And that's impossible to argue. I mean, they're doing what they're doing right now because they don't they don't respect uh, America being led by who who is in charge right now. And I, and I use that very, very um you know, su suspect, uh, you, you know, it, it, it's not that he's in charge, but I mean, he, he's the figurehead of the, of the government and the country, unfortunately. Uh, and, and what they're doing right now tells you everything that you need to know about, uh, how threatened they feel and, and how serious they take him. They don't, you saw the same thing with, uh, with ISIS, uh, you know, and Obama in his second term is that absolutely no respect 
for for American power with those people at the helm because they're not doing anything about it. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, and this isn't about you know right versus left or whatever. This is just you know solid internal leadership, uh, international leadership versus not. Is that you know the the litmus and the and the the mirror reflection of of how it's going and and what the world thinks of you is how they how they treat you how they interact with you and right now they're bitch slapping us uh, because that didn't happen when when Trump went into uh, into Iraq and stomped the shit out of ISIS in a matter of months and and you know uh, killed Baghdadi I mean that they disappeared uh, you know you stop seeing all these. Uh, um, refugees, you know, piling into Europe and causing problems. You stop seeing, uh, you know, Al-Qaeda and, and ISIS affiliates doing lone wolf attacks all over Europe and threatening to do it, do them other places. All of that shit stopped. Why? Because he handled business the way that you need to, the same way Ronald Reagan did and, and you know, with the carry the big stick attitude. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Uh, like I said, it's heartbreaking to, to see it ultimately, uh, you know, I pay attention to it. I'm, I'm watching and, and I'm keeping tabs on it. Uh, but I try not to let myself get consumed with it because I think it's, uh, it's counterproductive. I mean, I, I, uh, I focus on the things primarily that I have the ability to do something about. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I spend most of my time focusing on. So you obviously talked about the difference between, you know, how the Trump administration with all their warts, but how they treated foreign policy and warfare versus an Obama or a Biden administration. So from your perspective, do you feel like it's going to take the, because you said you didn't want to make it about politics, but obviously it is about politics and you know that just as well as everybody else does. Is it going to take another red tie in office for us to kind of have that attitude or was, was Trump a unique figure? Was Bush a unique figure? Is DeSantis going to be able to do it? Is, you know, Nikki Haley going to be able to do it? Like what, what are your thoughts there? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think it, it has to be a Republican to do that. I think, uh, you know, there, there are people on the left, um, you know, that, that I think, you know, would have handled it better than, than Biden. Uh, but, you know, to me, ultimately it, it really boils down to one, one key thing is that you either have your, your country's best interest in mind or you don't, you know, um, and, and the reality of it is, is that right now the, the current people that are, that are in office, uh, seem based on their actions. And I strongly believe that. And, you know, one of my favorite adages is what you do speak so loud. I can't hear what you say is that I don't give a shit what, what you say behind the podium, what your mouthpiece says, whatever, what, what you're doing tells everybody, everything about, about what your intentions are, what your priorities are, et cetera. The fact is, is that, um, you know, from, from based on their actions, they care more about optics and aesthetics and what people are going to think of them, um, you know, th- then they do, you know, what, what their own country is, is having to go through. And, and the irony of it all is, is that, you know, you, you kind of lose both ways that way. You know, when, when you do everything, trying to appease everybody, you end up pissing everybody off. And that's, what's happening is, is now like their own party isn't even backing them. You know, I mean, it's, it's surprising, mm-hmm. uh, to, to see people who, you know, I mean, just no matter what the guy did would not, hold them to, to task, uh, you know, and, and hold them accountable that are, that are really slamming him and questioning everything that he's doing right now, which is at least refreshing to see, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, one of the things I talk about in the, in the book that's coming out is, is, you know, if, if you can't hold yourself slash your own party to the same standard you hold the other guys to, you know, then, then you're a useless hypocrite and, and you're no better than anybody else, you know? So uh, it is nice to see that, uh, that there's some balance there. 
Absolutely. And and as we wind to a close here, it's kind of hard not to end with these types of questions, but you've alluded to this and I know you well enough to pretty much be able to know your answer, but I want you to give it to my audience. And so it's kind of a two-part question. The first is, do you regret going over there and, and risking your life considering how this has ended up? But then also parlay that into your personal message, Mike Ritland's message to Gold Star families that have either lost dads or brothers or, or you know, spouses or, you know, their their family members came home without their limbs or busted up in the head or something like that. So go ahead and just kind of speak on those two things. So just just to throw you off, I do regret it and I have no message about that. No, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, no. yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, no, I uh, 100% I don't regret it. Um, and, and this really ties into the message for gold star families is none of us do, you know, or, or I mean, I, I can comfortably say I speak for everybody that I know, at least, um, you, you know, is, is that none of us do. And, and there's one simple key reason is that, you know, for myself and, and for most veterans, um, even the ones that, that don't come home, I think, you know, that we all do what we do because we want to do it. It's, it's a voluntary force. We chose to be there. We, we know, you know, what we're signing up for and what the risks are uh, that are involved. And, and there's no place we would rather be than, uh, you know, with our brothers in arms doing, uh, you know, or, or getting our hands dirty on behalf of Uncle Sam for our, our country. Having said that, um, it's it's easy, you know, having been in Iraq, it's easy to look back on it now and be like, fuck, was that a mistake? Like, why did we really go, you know, and, and you can ask yourself all those questions. But, you know, to me, none of that really matters. Uh, and, and the reason it doesn't matter, and, and this would be my message to Gold Star uh, families, is that, you know, all of us volunteered uh, to to hand over a blank check up to and including our lives payable to the United States government when we sign on the dotted line and stand there with our right hand up, uh, given the oath. Past that, you know, it, it's up to our elected leaders to, to decide what's what, what our usage is in the best interest of the country and, and they decide where we go and who we fight and how we do it and, and all of those things. But for us, it's just very simply, I'm volunteering to serve my country in whatever capacity my country sees you know, best fit for me to do so. And, and that's it, you know, and, and that's a very noble and honorable thing to do. And, and it's, you know, serving a, a greater good that, that most pe- people frankly aren't willing to do. Uh, and, and, you know, that should be enough uh, you know, for everybody to hang their hat at the end of the day and say, I'm, I'm proud to have volunteered and rogered up to, to you know, trust and, and love my country enough to let them send me to go do whatever the fuck they, they thought I should be doing. And, and I did it to the best of my ability. And I came home and I'm, and I'm proud of doing that because that's really all that matters. I mean, you can't control any of those other things. You can control whether or not you volunteer or not. And that's it, you know, so uh, and, and whether or not you give it your all and and serve honorably and, and, and uh, things of that nature. So, uh, you know, again, I, I don't view any of it in vain for all of those reasons. But All right. Well, Mike, we are going to have you back on here before too long and we are going to have a more proper interview where we break down some of your books and everything. But I definitely wanted to get your opinion on all this uh, very quickly. But is there anything else you want to let us know before we let you go? No, just, you know, for, for all of us out there that uh, see that and, and are pissed off, again, just keep your chin up and, and realize the big picture of, of the good things that came out of it. You know, I mean, at, at this point, there's nothing nothing we can do right now to, to change what's going on right now. The people that are that are in charge, um, you know, are, are the ones pulling the strings and, and all we can do is, uh, uh, is, you know, try to find the best out of it and, and maintain a good attitude and, and don't let, you know, things like that, uh, you know, send you on a spiral downward that, uh, you know, causes problems. So. All right, Mike, thanks for coming on. Absolutely.